Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton and welcome to another podcast where we will be starting off as usual with the extra time segment where Owen Parks and I will be here to look back on a much improved Everton display as we end our first win in five against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane and then I'll be joined by Terry McAllister and Ben Crawford later on to look ahead to the final day game against Bournemouth at Goodison in the final match preview segment of the season. Teddy and Ben will also be joining me for the middle bit in between where we are most certainly going off topic this week so definitely stay tuned for that and of course the end of the show as well where the lads will be up against each other in a classic matchday squad quiz as you know the segments are always separate on YouTube so I'll introduce them and whatnot and we'll get straight into the action and look back on our long-awaited return to winning ways in the extra time segment. Everton actually serve up a surprisingly pleasant afternoon's worth of football. And to go back over it, I'm joined by Owen Parks. We picked up our first win in five games yesterday. Owen, I bet you weren't expecting that, were you? No, not at all. I, with the formation that we changed to, which is 4-2-3-1, and just everything else that you'd expect from Everton away from home in the last five to ten years, you could just see a one nil Sheffield United, Chris Basham header, and you just thought, yeah, let's get out of here and finish uh, it, it, it was a bit. I, I was envisaging us going down one nil, and they just parked the bus, which was a classic yeah, but, under the the spineless four two three one managers of past with like Marco Silva and Roberto Martinez. Yeah, but they would have been very smart to do that if they got an early goal, but. He didn't, and we really um, dug out to win there. And it was really refreshing to see us play them at their own game, which is battling quality, discipline, hard work, know how to keep the ball very well as well, because that's something else we haven't really been able to do take the sting out of a game. And it's a testament to having that three or four times yesterday, we just took a five minute spell just to keep the ball. Um, not worry Sheffield United very much and well not worry them in the sense that we were peppering their goal but we worried them in the sense that they, they, the ball back. they never really got a foothold in the game out of um, possession we were solid we stuck in a good shape um, and it was a really positive display yeah it's really pleasing to see that we've found a bit of a battling quality a little bit too late obviously but we, I was really surprised to see us, like you say, knock the ball around so well in the second half. It's certainly that I said in my match reaction yesterday that it was our best away performance of the season. Now, would you agree with that? Um, no, not really, because I think there's been more times away from where we've been more free-flowing. Um, Newcastle away, I think, was probably our best. Not that it was hard work that day, but I think they've only been beaten a couple of times at, at home this season. And we went there and we created loads of chances. Uh, and we did, still did what we did yesterday, by the way, which was digging. 
Um, there's been other ones as well where we've won. And I think Carlo and Chelsea now has four away wins. as Everton managing half a season, which is pretty good for an Everton manager because we never seem to have more than four away wins in a season. We've got five. Um, so it's incremental progress, isn't it? Be becoming more positive. Um, it's just it's just making you feel like you're going in the right direction. I think we are. I just think it's slower than people want because Everton fans want everything now and they want yeah. to win everything. But I feel like we're becoming a team that's hard to beat, trying to keep the ball better and a bit of a threat in the final third. Yeah, I think the midfield will be an absolute game changer. It's clear to see that the midfielders we've currently got, you know, there are players that Marco Silva signed or players who, previous managers who've used this formation have blooded. And these these players aren't really fit for purpose in a 4-4-2. And I think that's probably why uh, Ancelotti's gone back to a 4-2-3-1 or a three-man midfield at least. Just to sort of get the most out of a midfield that was flagging clearly in the last couple of games. And that's, for me, the best thing about Carlo Ancelotti is he's great in pretty much every way, let's be honest. But my favourite thing about Carlo Ancelotti is his pragmatism, which is something that I think you very rarely see in a top, top manager is the ability to change between multiple systems. And obviously, I think 4-4-2 is the system he wants to go with. But if the going gets tough, and maybe teams, I said this in my reaction yesterday, that teams often suss out our setup. And I think when that happens, you need a plan B. And it seems like Carlo's always got a plan B and C, which is a really mm. refreshing thing to see after the likes of Silva and Martinez in the past who were very stuck in the ways and sort of labour to poor results without changing things up. Yeah, um, I, I, was referring, I was referring before to the um, idea that he is flexible enough. It was a BT Sports interview where I had, they said that everything he wants a team that hasn't necessarily got a clear identity, but a clear idea every time they step off onto the pitch, which I find really refreshing because you can always change things up and nothing ever becomes stale then, does it? I feel yeah. like you have different formations. We've seen a three at the back. We've seen four four two. Now we've seen it was more of a four three three, to be honest enough. 4-2-3-1 because it wasn't it didn't feel the same as a 4-2-3-1 anyway but I it think it's it only going to it wasn't as dull as a 4-2-3-1 like we saw on the silver put it that way no, well it was, it was just it was just bad it wasn't but anyway um, yeah I feel like if we buy more mobile midfielders we'll give ourselves more options than even what we've seen so far I think it's just all about the Premier League, trying to outdo your opponent. And if you can do that by having different systems under your sleeve, then so be it. Because I feel like for too long we've been too predictable. And I don't think we're predictable anymore. That was exactly what I said in my reaction yesterday. It was, I thought our biggest problem is that we can get sussed out very easily. And it's always good to have these different systems, like you say, up our sleeve because it keeps the opposition second-guessing. And when you've got the opposition second-guessing, it puts them off their own game as well a little bit. And obviously that gives us a fighting chance as well. And I think if we get the better players and who are able to play a 4-4-2 along with a couple of these who maybe suit three-man midfield, 
there's a lot there's a lot of opportunities for us to switch up mid game and again maybe throw the opposition off the game and build our own way into games, which is not something we've done enough at all this season. But I'm sure Carlo's going to be looking to address that in the transfer market. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like as, as we go along with Ancelotti, we, we'll see a team that's more with a winner's mentality than what we've seen before, where our team's just generally, when any type of pressure gets upon on them, they, they will. Um, I feel like this time, this will bite. We'll we've got someone who will. He says he's going to share recruitment with brands, which is fair enough because brands sort of runs the off the pitch um, spawn responsibilities. But I feel with Ancelotti, whoever comes in, they'll be buying into his system and they won't be buying into silver system or any other system that we have previously, which is either too aloof, which doesn't really feel like you've got any time type of team spirit or so it's a too nice where you get rolled over by a team who wants to really roll up the sleeves and I feel like we've got we've got at least we've got someone who knows what they're doing now. Normally when you've had some of the performances we've had, there's been a normally a big call for the manager but there hasn't been that because people realise that he's working with what he's been given. And it really can't be sort of overstated the job Carlo Ancelotti's done at Everton so far. Considering we had when Silva went and Duncan came in, we had 13, 14 points. We were 18 we when back. Duncan Ferguson started. Yeah, like, like there we go. Um, we were 14 points, something like that. We were in the relegation zone. We've been beaten 10 times in 15 games. It, it it just all pointed towards the relegation battle, and I put on Twitter last night that we were gone, we were going because if you saw that run we had over Christmas, imagine if we kept silver for that Christmas. Are you oh, thinking yeah. so? If we go through each and every one of them games, you could make a case for us losing it. Um, so Chelsea are home. You you probably would have fancied Chelsea to beat us, even don't got them fired up. But you, I really couldn't see Silver winning no, that game. No, Silver would not have won that game. We, United probably away. lost to United. Arsenal at home, I don't think we'd have won that. If they'd have appointed Arteta and we starred Silver, oh. they, they would have been firing for it, wouldn't they? Burnley on Boxing Day, we wouldn't have won that under Silver because he couldn't break teams down. That would have been a nil-nil of a, if ever, ever there was one. There we go. So Newcastle away, we wouldn't have won that either. And then City on... New Year's Day we've got beat 8 no? so we wouldn't have probably won a single one of them games so so if people say oh why are you saying we were in a relegation battle no, we probably weren't at that point but we would have been we'd with have that been run so on. we'd have probably been cut adrift a bit so that's why I'm saying we were in a relegation battle and for Ancelotti with the help of Ferguson to come in and clear us away from that I think it's been an incredible job yeah it's been a I mean, it's, it's been there's been disappointing moments, and the team's still very laborious to watch. But the job Ancelotti's done in sort of just putting a bit more steel into this side is it, we have started to see it a little bit more. We have had our blips: the Wolves game last week, the Chelsea game before lockdown, the derby as well against their London kids. Like th- those That's three games, one he definitely wouldn't have won that, would he? <laughs> So, 
But yeah, they are. Those are the, probably the three low points of his reign so far. But other than that, he's generally instilled a, a steeliness in this team that we definitely wouldn't have seen under Marco Silva. No, not at all, because it's sort of like if you've won as many trophies as Ancelotti has, you've got to have a bit of a, a gritty and a steeliness to you, whereas the previous manager we've had just don't have that. You could say in sort of a lesser way, people won't like this, but Allardyce might have had Yeah, because he was in so many battles at the bottom and with Bolton, the teams had to fight, you, and Moyes maybe as well. Their teams have to fight, but apart from that, the, the rest of them are the just... The continental better. managers we've had in the past have been very spineless, haven't they? Yeah, it's, it's been a case of... It'd be, it, unless they can play the, a free-flowing brand of football, it's it's all folded very quickly. And with Ancelotti, that's certainly not going to happen because there's been no evidence of his teams ever doing that. And like the other two have said, people won't like that, but Allardyce teams and Moist teams always fight, so... Whatever. Well, to be fair, I think Carlo's going to instill a situation where we can both play and fight. Which yeah, is something uh, we, we won't have seen, which is very encouraging to look forward to something like that. But obviously, it's going to take time and uh, some better players coming in the door to be able to get that out of this team. Yeah, I think his, his remit so far has just been to try and get a, a flow of results going. So to play 4-4-2 and get, make it as difficult as you can and win as many games. Obviously, with a window and some better players and some time in pre-season. I know we won't have much time because it's a quick turnover, but with more time without games, I think you'll probably find Evan next season are a bit more better to watch as well. So we'll see. We've got to hope anyway. I think that's the one thing that I said that watching the second half yesterday gave us a bit more hope for next season because I think everyone was feeling the worst after the last couple of games, weren't they? With the people were saying we could be in serious trouble next season. I was one of them, to be quite honest. I'm not, I'm still not resting on me laurels to say that everything's going to be fine. We're still a team that's really poorly been, it's been really poorly assembled, that doesn't really have any kind of clear way of playing. That. It, there's still so many things wrong with recruitment to Everton, so I'm not going to rest on my laurels, but I am more confident that we're going to be at least in a comfortable position with Ancelotti. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be comfortable, but is that what Everton were looking for when they appointed the proven winner? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the, that's the be-all and end-all, but I feel like if Marco Silva was still in this situation, uh, Martinez and Koeman I'd be worried next season that we were going to stay in the league so just because of the fact that Ancelotti's there I don't think you can make this team a serial winning team I think there's about five players that could possibly do so but he's going to need help because it weren't long ago we were saying that this team couldn't string a result together well, so, that was, that was well, literally three days ago exactly, there we go so I, I feel we, he needs help in the summer to push us on is what I'm saying I think the, the the reason we got that win was yesterday was because he changed the formation and that's what brought that result. So if he stuck with a four four two there, we probably don't win. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, and that's his flexibility that brought that win, and that that's the, what sets him levels above 
any managers we've had in the past. There's probably only David Moyes who would have done that. He certainly wouldn't have done it mid-game. No, no. Um, no, I, 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 don't, I don't think anyone would have either. Um, but I, I think it's also important to say that they were well off it above their usual standard where Sheffield United um, normally they're a lot more fired up than that, but so be it. <laughs> what was that all about? I think it's maybe just it's a small squad. I think they've just tired out now. Obviously, they struggled against Leicester in the game before as well. Maybe it's just yeah. a bit too far. Yeah, I think it's just the reality of the Premier League for the team with League One players. <laughs> That's a good point. There are players who have come up from League One. There's players who, dare to say, have come up from League One and had most certainly have an RT. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll have a few of their, few of their players as well. Of course, I know we've got Luca Dean and he's excellent, but I thought Ender Stevens for them I, I, really well, I'm, I'm a very big fan of Ender Stevens. I think he'd be a good yeah. addition, especially yeah, as Clayton Baines goes, but... You know. Yeah, well, I think maybe if Leicester do the right thing and cash in on Chilwell, I think Ender Stevens would be a good addition for them because I think he's a good player. Uh, I think they've, I think they've got a lot of good players, but I think it's in a system where they know who's going to make the wrong way. I think if you put them in a different system, certainly with a different manager, I don't think any of them players have the same success. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I can see Ender Stevens possibly if. Chilwell doesn't move. Possibly he'd fit in the Chelsea system. Who do seem to use a three at the back sometimes. And yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's a very good player. I I like watching him. And but for Sheffield United, I think it's interesting to be talking about players coming up from League One and doing bits in the Premier League. But we've got a few players of our own who've done it: Calvert Lewin, Paul Gate, and of course Jared Brantwaite, who came from League Two and has been putting in some good performances, hasn't he? He doesn't look like a, a lad who's 18 who was a bit part player for a League 2 team, does he? He looks really comfortable on the ball. He knows how to defend. He, I, I don't know what it is, but he, he, he really surprised me the way he stepped in. and look, I think he's a lot better than Yeri Mina, to be honest. He's only played twice, but that, I think that says a lot about how sometimes we can't always put our trust in our centre-backs at the moment, but he has come in and done a very solid job, hasn't he? And the fact that he's a left-footed centre-back as well is very pleasing because we don't have one of those at the moment. We have been linked with Gabriel, but should we not manage to get Gabriel, it might not be as much of a hammer blow as it otherwise would have been because we've got a player there who looks like he's ready to step up. I even said before um, before Brantway stepped into the team that and we're really sure I'm buying the centre back this summer because of the deficiencies elsewhere. Yeah, I, I Mason Holgate's a fantastic defender. He's improving all the time. Um, I really like Michael Keane. I think he's a good defender, and I think yesterday again he was fantastic. Um, Mina, I think he's all right. I think he's reliable. And there's three. I kind of I was saying with these young lads who we've got, I'd rather develop them and give them a chance than just buy Thiago Silva who's 109 and on a million pounds a week yeah well I wasn't so, really referring to Thiago Silva I don't think that's ever going to be an option to be honest given the situation financially but Gabriel, no. was, Gabriel was the name that's been heavily linked with us and he's a left centre back and he has been doing well and he's quite meant to be quite promising and is a yes. player that I've been, I've been really pushing for us to try and sign him but if we don't manage to get him. I think Branthwaite is certainly 
a real boost for us now to be able to step in as a left footed centre back, and it, just, it might, like you say, it might save us a lot of money in the in the long run. I think we've got to be careful with him because I, I feel like it it'll be all too easy just to like wear him down because we do it all the time with young players. He's got to be managed properly in sort of the Anthony Gordon way rather than the Calvert-Lewin, the Calvert-Lewin Tom Davis. Or the Cal- Callum Connolly, I was going to say, who came in, looked like he was an half-decent player, a right-back, and then we never saw him again. And Brendan Galloway, who's fourth division of Lilluton or wherever. So I feel like there's got to be a proper plan for Brantford rather than us just sort of throw him in and hope for the best. <laughs> With that in mind, would you still push for Gabriel this summer or are you adamant that we need to save all our funds for midfield? I w- I went I wouldn't have pushed for him even before Brantway to be honest because I feel like we've got centre halves so who can do a job. I mean it, it's inconsistent but he can do a job. I still look at that midfield and on like off the left and on the right and I feel like we need someone. So Debbie, I don't think we're going to take the option on him. So I feel we we're going to need a right back, and if we're not going to sign a winger, we're going to need another striker and push for Charleston out there. So I feel like there's still a lot more to do in other areas of the pitch. Whereas I feel like centre-back, especially with Brantwick and Lewis Gibson coming back, by the way, I feel yeah, like we can cope. Player. Yeah, he's we, good. We have, got, we have got a lot, to be honest, of, of options at the back now. Mm. I, I, I just don't think it's the number one priority. And another thing, if Stecklenberg's going on, we're going to need a goalkeeper. And, and the question is, do we need a new number two or a new number one? Well, a new number one, but we'll be getting new number one. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting situation, but again, it all depends on how much money we can throw around in the summer. I don't really want to see us throwing too much money around because our record seems to be a lot better when it comes to buying cheaper players than it does when we throw them throw our weight around in the market. No, I, I just think we need to buy players. Who I think the pivotal thing that we need to look at is if we if we're gonna go with a four four two, we're gonna to need to look at players who have had some sort of experience of playing in some sort of similar way with a two up front. I think we've got a lot of midfielders who I don't think have ever played in the four four two before. No, that's Gomez that's Davis might have done with underwear from that, but nothing in the first team. Sigurdsson or Swansea was 4-3-3. A Wobie or Arsenal, it would have been a 4-3-3. Bernard, 4-3-3. I think. A Wobie's definitely not well, fit, going to fit a 4-4-2. No, he isn't. Because he, he's, number, he's a number 10, and that's why I was a bit annoyed last night that we played Sigurdsson in the number 10 where we had a Wobie to see what he could do. But Well, oh, well. That, that could be a possibility for Bournemouth on the final day. If he wants to rotate a bit, mm, yeah. If, if well, it, there's a there's just under a week until the next game. I feel like there could be a couple of people who come in, but I feel like he'll stick with a similar team to what he played last night. Yeah, I mean, when it's starting to deliver results, that's like got to be the option because it's not like we've been delivering many results, so. And I'm, yeah. sure the, I'm sure the last thing that Everton wants after the season, that regardless of how well we did yesterday, has been a pretty miserable one. 
the last thing we want to do is finish it on the low note of getting beat at home to a side who may still well go down even if they beat us. Oh no, they're going down. All right, I'm, I'm not accepting anything else. We better beat them. Yeah, that, that that would be an absolute embarrassment. I think that'd be almost as bad as the Norwich game in November to get beat yeah. off them. But we've got they're, they're we, we've got to surely do well in that game. But we'll wait and see. They could well be relegated before we go into that game, depending on how Wofford and Man City get on this evening. Uh, yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on Wofford. Yeah, I, I didn't think it'd be cheating Wofford on this season, but so be it. Yeah, yeah. I just anything but Bournemouth to stay up. So that, that that's the only vested interest I've got left for the rest of the season is to sort of relegate well, them. And no, we talk we talk about Everton's disappointing sliding doors moments of years gone by and the opportunities we've missed, but. One of the positive sliding doors moments is when we hire Carlo Ancelotti and the alternative could well have been to hire Eddie Howe. Well, that would have been very scary, wouldn't it? People know my thoughts on Eddie Howe. Yeah, well, I'm very much in the same camp as you when it comes to Eddie Howe. I'm, I'm not very... I think he's one of the most overhyped managers of recent years. I, I think of all time, to be honest. I don't think anyone who... They've got well. Let's just keep it simple. They've got worse every year, so that just tells me the more he's coached them in the Premier League, the worse they've got. The recruitment's been shocking. Well, I think that's. It. I think he's not. He's not a bad coach because he obviously got them out of League Two and up to the Prem. But his recruitment's appalling. There's one thing to be a good coach, and there's another thing to be a good manager. But he's ruined it for himself again because he had a core of players who. With, with EFL players, but they get they kept them up for the first few years, and then he ripped that up and just bought thirty million pounds worth of rubbish and Solanke. Solanke, Ard, a wobe, a phobie. Brad Smith was there at some point, weren't he? I think he's still there. Just no, he's probably, get, probably getting, getting loaned out, probably. Yeah. Mm, he, the the whole thing, and the ironic thing of them is their best players are players they brought through, like Ramsdale, the keepers, all right. Few players like that, cheap deals like David Brooks. They're their best players, and they still spend big on nonsense. Yeah, well, I think they've probably bought some more insane ones this season. They'd even like that Stanislas they've brought him back into the fold after a few years in the cold, and he's done well better than anyone else they've had. That's because he's got the hunger to play for Bournemouth. The rest don't. And then, as for his defensive organisation, Jesus. Well, we that that doesn't even bear thinking about. Imagine him in charge of Everton. Imagine him with that midfield on a high line. Oh my god, that that is like it, when we talk about we talk about sliding doors moments. But the, the day we hired Ancelotti, as opposed to somebody like that, could well be a pivotal moment in making sure this bad era of our history doesn't get even worse. I know we're going off at a bit of a tangent here, but people genuinely fumed before Ancelotti came on the scene. That I, I said I'd rather have had Moyes than how. And people couldn't understand that for the life of them, but there was no contest there for me. But hey, oh, we ended up with Ancelotti, and it's gone yeah. relatively well when you consider how poor it's been most of the season. He's got us out of a hole. He's got us a couple of decent results in spite of a poor squad. And you know, it's disappointing. It's going to be a bottom half finish, but it's probably about where we deserve when you balance this up with what was served up before he came in 
a distant bookmark finish, by the way, Arsenal on Templar on 53. So we're not, we, we haven't really been close, have we? Well, it's mad, really, because we were in the top half about three games ago, but that's what happens when you have a bad run of form in this league, and especially when it's been as tight as it has this year. And, you know, that just shows our shortcomings. We've got to drastically improve for next season. We've got to bring in, get the recruitment spot on. And we could be in with a de- chance for a decent season next year, but, you know, it's there's, there's a lot of what-ifs, and we've just got to see what happens. And, the recruitment's got to be better and I'm confident it will be with Ancelotti and Brands working together and getting. hopefully we can source the right players. I think if we get players who can work in a 4-4-2, like I say, and mix it up with players who can play in a three-man midfield, I think that flexibility will only benefit us next season when it comes to, you know, if we if the going starts to get tough, maybe we can change it up and hopefully not go on as many bad runs as we've been on this season. I think the key is mobility. Players with energy, you can plug any quality gap that they may have, but they can replace it with energy and fighting to grit to get a result. I look at um, the lads at Toulouse, um, Ibrahim Sangare. Evan, the worries about him, apparently, because he has no technical ability. Well, if you look at some teams in the top half, they don't have much technical ability, but they're there because of organisation and discipline and energy. So maybe they're looking they're looking at the wrong type of player. Yeah, well we've got a lot we had a lot of technical ability in the midfield yesterday and he played really well in that three, but we've seen those very technical players try and play in a four four two and it just doesn't cut the mustard. No, because you need to be able to get about the pitch. And they're all right in three man midfield, but if we play four four two with them, they get overrun. Yeah, so I think again we Again, we're going off on a tangent, but even after a good win yesterday, I think all eyes are firmly on the transfer market now as well. For I'm really pleased with yesterday's results. I know I'm. <laughs> I, I oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're not knocking that. And of course, it's it's a rare one for you, Andre Gomez played brilliantly. So, I you know I went as far as to say it's probably his best game for Everton. I feel like he really controlled the midfield. Is it your first guys? Owens praising Andre Gomez. You know, played well as well, but we won't Sigurdsson. mention that. Gilfy Sigurdsson, apparently. So. Gilfy Sigurdsson plays well with a captain's arm and on as well. <laughs> there's, there's something that I never thought I'd say. He's a change, man. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. We're gonna... I, I, I was cynically saying that obviously Sheffield United's been linked with him, haven't they? So maybe he's like sort of turning it on to try and get a move there, which would be because it might get us an extra five million for that performance yesterday. They might be thinking, why did they want to sell him? <laughs> Interesting though, but we might put their hands in the pocket and actually pay us real money for him now. Yeah, there we go. So you know, loads of positives to come out of that game at this rate, and uh, yeah, yeah lo- hopefully just a, a little bit more optimism. Just the, the last thing I'm going to say about this game because no one's mentioned them, but I thought Jibril Sadibi played really well. I thought Jibril Sadibe had a really good game. Yeah, he all well. Best defensively. Yeah, it was good defensively, and most of all, though, in possession, he got us moving forward. Where I don't think Seamus Coleman does that enough. I think no, he, he passes backwards too much, and it, I thought that sort of gave us a bit of a breath of fresh air moving forward. He picked Walcott out regularly, or moved it into Sigurdsson or Gomez a lot quicker, and that really got us moving forward. He plays a lot of progressive passes. 
And I think yeah. that gets us up the pitch quicker. Yeah, and sometimes it come it doesn't come off. He is a risk taker in comparison to Coleman, but sometimes you need that. Especially when you want your fullbacks to attack, we do need a bit more adventure. And Luca Dean clearly has that on the opposite side, but we need a bit of balance now and need a right back, a right back who can do that. Whether that's Sadibi, I don't think it is. We will. I think it will be a new right back coming in for next season. But yeah. that's definitely got to be the mantra now. We've got to try and get a right back who can be as adventurous on the right as Dean is on the left. Yeah, and can defend consistently as well. I think that's another important thing because Sadibi does go missing defensively at times. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think, think I, I think his life has been successful. I think he's done well. He's done all right. I mean, he's got his fair share of assists, in all honesty, been able to scoss over that Norwich game at Goodison in November. Yeah, I still don't know why he got subbed off for Coleman. Or for any... But, yeah, that was, that's the Marco Silva here for you. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not completely convinced on Luca Dean as a defensive fullback either. I just think he's an excellent attack and threat for us. He really does give us a threat down that left, and he seems like he's had some of his best performances recently. Yeah, well, he's been excellent since the break. I think him and Michael Keane have been our best players since the restarts for just consistency and putting games down. Yes, certainly. Michael Keane's been a revelation since the restart. I'm not saying he's going to be the best centre-back there's ever been, but... No, he's, he's, he's seemingly got to grips with her, hasn't he? But he's he's shown a solidity we haven't seen from him in his time here so far, which can only bowl well moving forward, whether it's whether we sell him for, we can certainly make some money for him if we did sell him, or whether we keep him. Either way, I think it's good to see that he's doing well, and he's a like. I think just yeah, I like. I really like him to be honest. Uh, I just think history proves with Michael Keane that good coaching always gets the best out of him, whereas if he's just thrown in with the rest, doesn't seem to work. Yeah, I think that's a good point for many a player. Whether it's an Everton player or yeah, it's not just exclusive for Michael Keane, but good, 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 co- good coaching goes a long way in any team, really. And you know, you look at the the sides who do the best at the moment, so that all the sides who are coached the best, hmm. and, and the teams at the bottom just play what they want. So yeah, so it, it is testament to coaching, and you know that's why we should be pleased to have Carlo Ancelotti in charge because there's not many better than him. Nope, and. Just one thing to finish because I forgot to touch on this during the match reaction yesterday and I almost forgot to touch on it during this show as well. How awful was the referee? Well, do you know what? I, Evan must have played well. I forgot to talk about the referee. That's it. I, I, I was that happy that we'd actually won a game of football yesterday that I forgot to fuse about the referee. It was, it was Stuart Atwell, weren't it? I don't even know. But Yeah, it was Stuart Atwell because I remember... This is, this is a very tenuous link, but I was playing on FIFA the other week and Stuart Atwell cost me the win. So I remember that. And I saw, as soon as I saw him last night, I thought, here we go again, Stuart Atwell. Oh, but honest to God, how poor was the referee in that game? Every single 50-50 just went to them. I, sw- I swear to Jesus, like every time... Well, yeah, Walcott got pulled back, no yellow card, but Richardson gets a booking for standing in front of the ball. And Calvert Lewin, George Bulls, I think was took a chunk off Luca Luca Dean's knee. That's right, yeah. Oh, he he was a he was a little cry arse in that game, George Bulls. Yeah. Oh, just nah. 
But uh, obviously Calvert Lewin as well puts an arm on Ender Stevens and gets a yellow card for that. Just nonsense. Meanwhile, their players are knocking seven bells out of Richarlison. I, I don't mind any of tackling, but there's this what they did in terms of physicality yesterday. No issue with it, but the referee needs to pull up on it. He just didn't. Just or kept just, left things. Or be consistent because. You know, there's no harm in it. It's a contact sport at the end of the day, but at least let us make the same contact they're making. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd see a worse referee in performance after Lee Mason's after, against Southampton, but you know. Yeah, Lee Mason's got a really bad track record in Everton games. He shouldn't be allowed to referee Everton games at this rate. There's been so many really awful ones since lockdown, ever since we've come back. The derby, that was woefully refereed. I think I think it's just the nature of Premier League referees. We've got one of the most appalling refereeing standards, and definitely in Europe. Hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, that was a that well, was a that was a shocker yesterday. I'm surprised we even got a free kick to score the header for him. Yeah, no, but I wonder what what did he give that for? I can't remember now. So I'm on Andre Gomez, I think, but I think it was the only free kick we got all game, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was just it was just appalling the referee, and I couldn't believe like some of the stuff was like you're not allowed to like jump for a header anymore. I don't think. Nope. But it was definitely it was definitely one of those. He was definitely trying to play the game on until Sheffield United scored there with the four added minutes that turned into six. And you oh, know, I know. Every game, every other game, the last couple of days have been two or three minutes. Six minutes or whatever it was, like four minutes. Four minutes. minutes, but then he added on about another minute and a half for that. But, you know, it's just, you know, if Everton were getting beat, it would only be two minutes. Yeah, it wouldn't even be a stoppage time, you'd say. Nothing's happened. You'd blow the whistle on 89 if it was Everton getting beat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they would have it anyway, I think. By the referee, it was actually a good day's work all round from Everton. We actually got a a one nil win, a gritty one nil win against the team who were notoriously gritty. So, you know, maybe a bit of a role reversal there. But nonetheless, I'm very pleased to say that we won a game of football for the first time in ooh, what's the date today? Just over three, almost three weeks now since we last won a game of football. So, and it feels even longer during this lockdown period. So, really good to see we got a win. And, you know, we've got one more game. Hopefully, we can get another one. Uh, I think Owen will be adamant that we should be getting one when you consider who it is we're playing. At least a point. <laughs> At least a point. I think a defeat would be absolutely embarrassing there. And, I mean, I won't you, come can't, back. You, can't, you can't discount anything, given the way this season's gone with us at times. But I'd like, to think, I'd like to think we've, one way or another, we'll find a way to win that game. But, yeah, yeah let's be optimistic. We've coming, we're coming off the back of a decent win. Let us know how you feel anyway, if you're feeling optimistic uh, or even if you're feeling pessimistic. I mean, it's Everton we're talking about here, so. But for you podcast listeners, it's time for the middle bit where we basically waffle on about something completely different to Everton. And for once, we're not as completely depressed about Everton as normal. So, you know, we'll go for something really out there. And today, our middle bit, we're going to be asking each other what is your favourite conspiracy theory what's your funniest conspiracy theory I mean ben. I, yeah I'll, I'll go with this I, to be honest with you I don't talking on Everton podcast it's not something we normally normally go over but so I'm going to sort of cheat a little bit and use an Everton conspiracy theory as my one 
and just that basically, like we all know, that in 2005, when Kalina was the referee of the Evan game, I'm utterly convinced, and I'm not being bitter, I was convinced that he did a number on his day, because you know, he didn't want five English teams. You know, I'm not being funny, we finished fourth, and then Liverpool won the Champions League, which made it sort of an unprecedented time. But at the same time, Liverpool, I'm sure, drew someone like TNS or someone, and we get Villarreal, you know, the eventual... The eventual, uh, what was it, semi-finalists of the competition, just only knocked out by Arsenal. And to top it all off, we actually get ourselves this position. We're back in the game. And for some reason, that Duncan Ferguson goal got disallowed because apparently yeah, Mark the, the draw, the draw was definitely off-ball. I think, well, that, it wasn't even that. It, it was almost as if like, they give us a hot-ball draw. And then to top it all off, they tell Kalina, who's like on the payroll, to go, just do a good way, come out of the time and just do one last game and just make to make sure that Everton don't cut through in this game. And they probably thought Everton haven't got a chance here. And then we get a goal 10 minutes from time that takes the game to extra time and we were much the better side in that game. And lo and behold, he just, I don't know how he disallows that goal. And then it all uh, becomes very easy for them. Then. So there's my conspiracy theory. I read into something that Kalina uh, was forced to retire in 2005 because... He signed a deal with Opel to be the like to be sponsored by them, and of course Opel was sponsoring AC Milan. AC Milan at the time, which forced him to retire from football. But apparently that's all right. That you can come out to retire to to so manage, yeah to get it make sure obviously no, one game. It was the easy option, wasn't it? Because you know it was Liverpool five times winners of the competition, or you know the perceived little old Everton who were just lucky and happy to be there. So, you know, it was obviously we're going to take it out on Everton, to be honest with you. I can't believe we didn't push it further. I can't believe the club didn't complain more, to be honest. I think if we had Machiri then, or a billionaire <coughs> with a lot of legal leverage, we'd have definitely gone, gone, to, got, we'd have gone to the CAS like City have done over this ban. I, I, I think so. Yeah, because I thought it was scandalous. Yeah, but uh, dare I say, that's not a very funny conspiracy theory, Ben. Well, I didn't really know what the flavour was going to be, to be honest. So I'll, I'll let Teddy go next and then... Because I wasn't going to start coming out with pure well, it was, twin, it was, it twin was towers any, World Trade Center conspiracy oh, theories. To be honest, mate, it was it was literally in. it was literally anything. To be honest, but uh, just preferably something not quite as traumatic as that. Because I've still never got well, over that one. Yeah. Paul, Paul McCartney then not being a real Beatle. That's a very good one. I love that. that. I, I mean, that, it's not true at all. Let's face it. But you know the uh, the way they've got the car, haven't they? Saying is uh, the year he would have been. And all that, you know, my dad's a massive Beatles fan, so I've always heard that conspiracy theory, where apparently Paul, but I don't know how the hell you replace Paul McCartney with someone who looks like him, sounds like him, sings and plays the guitar like him, you know, without any other Beatles knowing. So I'm, as much as that's like quite a good conspiracy, I can't think of, uh, I can't think of any truth in that one. What have you got, Teddy? I mean, what are we asking for? Ones I believe, or ones I... Uh... Well, that's it, isn't it? Cause if what are, let's, have one, believe... let's have one of each. Let's have one of each. Well, I can't give you one I believe, because I absolutely don't believe the vast majority of them. I think it's... it's. I, I mean, there's what... I'm not saying everything we're told is absolutely, you know, spot on. That's the way it went down. There's definitely... There's a difference, though, between a conspiracy theory and, and just acknowledging that corruption and things are real. You know, like government yeah. contracts go being for open tender and stuff and yeah there's all kinds of that that goes on but I, I think the majority of conspiracy theories is just absolute you know bollocks I've got to be honest it's like it's it's basically people who work backwards from their conclusions um, and they just basically use apophenia which is ba- people 
human beings ability to see patterns in things like that aren't there so we you know the way it's similar to you know when you look at clouds and you think that looks like a shape yeah it's like that we'll we'll do that with you know you'll mold what you can see to make it fit basically making a a jigsaw out of play though in it you can make the piece fit exactly and the things that don't support you if you're working backwards from the conclusion like i decided i think this so the things that don't support it you don't bother with it, 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 it becomes a tribal it. now hasn't it that tribal everyone like if you even if you've just made it up in your own head if someone disagrees with it now the, the scum of the air well it's just it's one of them people conflate the idea of you just believe everything's the way we're told and all you no, of course I don't. There's all kinds that goes on, but I think people give, they give individuals, they give governments, they give all these groups far too much credit. Think about what they try and hide, and it comes out, and they and it's really like the times that even bigger successfully. It's stupid. It's like that. My favourite one now of like you know instead of give one that you believe one you one that you just laugh at. It's the classic. It's flat Earth. It's like, how many times does it need to be debunked? It was debunked a hundred years ago. Never mind recently, but it's the thing with conspiracy theories is there's always, in the ones that, you know, are more feasible, there'll always be, like, a reason why they think it's lied about. So, um, chemtrails and stuff like that, or, or, you know, there'll always be, like, money, or they're doing it because of money, or they're doing it to do this, to control that, or hide I think this. the moon landing Why? was fake, though. There's one for you. Bloody hell, that is an interesting one. That is, we'll that's come, not real at we'll, all, that. We'll come to that. What <laughs> the... <laughs> the flat earth one makes me laugh. It's like, why would they lie it's about nonsense. that? Like, what do they get? Like, no one, no one makes... If the world is actually flat... And they say it's round. It's like, what? What would? What is the upside of that? What? What is the conspiracy there? It's such a banal. I think that started out as some people proving a point. If to say we're we're entitled to be stupid, and you can't tell us otherwise, and people like latched onto it, not realizing it wasn't serious. Like, I, there's a lot of conspiracies I don't believe, but aren't inherently stupid to believe. Them. Flat Earth one is consistently debunked, and I don't know why people lack, like cling to it for dear life. Like you know, dinosaurs aren't real and all that. Oh, I don't know. Right, so I think it's time to finish on a very more, a much more contemporary one, and one which uh, might hammer close to home for us scouts. Uh, the five G causes coronavirus oh. conspiracy theory. <clears throat> why would the government need coronavirus to put five G out? Why wouldn't they just do it? Well, what makes me laugh? Is, you know, all these four masks they've already got, just use them. Yeah. What makes me laugh is the crossover of people who don't believe coronavirus is real, but also believe the fact that it's, what is it? Is it real? I need to pause a bit, or is it not real? And the government's alliance, like, oh, that's, that's all. That's all. I despair, I swear to God. Uh, yeah, so the ticket you haven't been going out then, Teddy, and setting fire to masts. <laughs> I just, I just despair. I honestly despair. Like, I don't, I understand how people think a disease isn't real. I do know people who've had it. I know people who've died from it. But I also, 
I can sort of imagine why people would be 5G causes X, Y, Z um, because things have happened in the past where certain things caused illnesses. I don't really know how a radio mast would cause a respiratory illness. I just don't get how they cross over. It was just like, I think 5G conspiracies existed before coronavirus did. So they just basically grabbed hold of a big, a big sort of illness pandemic and bolted it onto something they already thought. Like, oh, yes, yeah, see, see, see. That's, see, that's, a, bad, that's a bad thing, yeah. Yeah, it's like... But also, it's, I think it's easy to put two and two together and get five because obviously, well, literally five with the G, but... Um, hey. but oh, I oh, know. Thanks for the little drum roll there. <laughs> but, of course, um, 5G was a Huawei thing, wasn't it? Which came from China and obviously coronavirus originated in China. And then there's like obviously a Donald Trump's going China in the background. And I think that, that that's, I think it's just literally that the more you get people like Trump in oh. charge, you point, point fingers at China and just can't help themselves. I think you're always going to get the idiots who follow them who can maybe put those two and two together and get five as well. Well, there's millions of people who voted for him in the first place, so, you know. If there's, any, if, if, if there's anything that makes you lose faith in humanity. That's when I lost faith in humanity that day. My dad and the Brexit fault. <laughs> ah, well, that, that, that was, <laughs> to, the that was unlikely, to the most unlikely political results I've ever, I'd ever thought I'd you say know, that. No, Trump got in, Brexit happens, we had Ronald Koeman <clears> and Steve Walsh. Can we just erase 2016 from history? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Told you. I've ever told you um, the thing I used to um, I, I don't know if I told you on on recording or I've told you off air about a sort of thing that me and my mate used to do in, in the old job. We looked up once, we were taught uh, it won't explain how we got onto it, but you know the large hadron collider in Switzerland. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Gonna end the world, black hole machine. Yep. Yeah. Well, we looked up that there was an um, only one instance where that's been turned off since it was started. And it's when a weasel fell into it. Um, at some point, they had to switch it off to get the weasel out. I don't know the full story, but that was basically the gist of it. And ever, <laughs> I'm sure it was like 2015, 14, something like that. It was 2015, <laughs> 2015 right before all that crap started. Well, me and my mate theorised that when that happened, it, the, the machine sent us into a new timeline a weasel timeline and now every time anything strange happens I just text him or he texts me and the just weasel's goes, got my is, that, is, that, is so, that weasel's fault so when there was um, honestly everything that's anything weird that has happened you can just chalk it up to that basically when things happen like Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer do like want to challenge each other oh, to push up sure. contests you go weasel timeline when there's a global pandemic and the daily press has got a message actually a question from the lad bible and robbie savage you got weasel time and i'm sure there's even weirder things than that like i'm sure the next manager of man united will be Theresa may or it'll be <laughs> allardyce will come well carlo manager's weird enough i mean that's a to be honest that's another one i'm well, in charge at goodison and and to be honest dare to say bloody liverpool winning the premier league i didn't think that had ever happened at one point well, yeah, exactly. Anything anything out of the ordinary where you think five years ago that would have been dead strange and now because everything's just gone mad, we just we just laugh at it like the president well, talks about To be fair, on the nose of Liverpool winning the league, there's something completely mad right there. We've got Liverpool building a stage in the stands to lift the trophy on when they've got a perfectly good pitch in the middle to where they could just lift it there. Uh, that's that's 
Uh, what is honestly the deal with all that? I, like, what's the point of spending a million it's all, pounds? So it's all so that Liverpool can be Liverpool and get through. And I've, they've, they've got to tell the world. Not one person is not allowed to know about it. Did you see them driving screens to Stamford Bridge and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm it's not like, bothered. It's that's, like that's they don't fan, care about But fans do that, though. We'll always get right, fans Will Everton do stuff. that, do you think? No, absolutely no. Will we drive stuff to Arsenal? Why? You know, these are teams who won like 10, 12, whatever Premier League titles. I think you're being a bit generous to Chelsea there, like, but... Well, no, I mean, combined, like, you've got sort of like, you know, United, Chelsea's Arsenal between them. We've got how many times have they won won the majority of the Premiership titles since it's been the Premier League? They're not going to be bothered, are they, really? But, uh, yeah, I think it's just... (laughs) Like you say, I think it is. It's trying to stand out a bit. I mean, what was wrong with putting the platform that the like they always do in the middle of the pitch and letting them set the fireworks off? Bayern Munich it. didn't do anything like that, did they? Just listed it on the pitch. They they just pour stands of beer over each other every year. That's the way yeah. to do it. That is how you celebrate the, a title win. Though. The thing is, though, all this behaviour from like the fans, like and even the stupid, even weirder stuff, like taking like replica trophies to Finch Farm and like. You know the friggin' flare and Dixie Dean's and they're, they're, it's 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 eating them alive. That they've been looking forward to this for so many years, and now that it's arrived, no one's there and they can't rub it in anyone's face. So they're know. desperate. Well, they're desperate to go and like upset everyone as much as they can because of the circumstances. It, my my one of my mates who's a big friend told me he said honestly I made up I've got it, but the coronavirus has ruined it a bit because imagine how much better it would have been. If it had just been normal, they were like one win away from it when the pandemic hit yeah. and the lockdown. If they, if that in a different in the non weasel timeline, if this happens, exactly. they win it. You probably <clears throat> win it. Anderson, and they imagine, I mean, it'd be horrendous for us and everyone else. But can you imagine from their point of view? Imagine we won the title at Anfield and everything was like, you know, was no imagine we won a game we, at Anfield. Can we get a let's weasel? Can we, can we throw, like, an elephant into the Hadron Collider? I'm just going to start you know, throwing win. stuff in it because I want everything to change at the moment, the way everything's going. <clears throat> Why don't we just, like, try everything? Can we start... We'll start with Boris Johnson throwing him in the Hadron Collider and see what happens there. Only just block it up. Kill a few Sigurdsson in it. Kill a few Sigurdsson, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that'll probably be the most space he's found for a long time. Hey, uh, another one. Uh, oh, I'm just nailing oh, these guns. Come on, he's, he's got hey, a Barbie. Put our central midfield in it because it's a black hole machine, so be oh, yeah. black holes. Nice. Everton's central midfield. Big Honestly, gaping God, hole. If, if I carry on winning with all these puns, you'll have to build me a stage in the car. Yeah, but spend <laughs> a million pounds on, on it, mate. Fantastic. Right, anyway, we'll leave it at that. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is the match preview segment for our final Premier League game of the very, very extended season. Everton going to off the back of a first win in five games. A pretty impressive win, to be honest. I don't think any any of us saw it coming. But we got the win, pretty pleased. And all of a sudden, we go into the final game against a very much struggle inside with a bit more optimism. Ben, we'll start with you, mate. How do you feel going into this one? Uh, a little bit more <clears throat> sort of enthusiastic <laughs> on the back of that win. Against Sheffield United, like like you say there, uh, like you say there, James, I didn't see that coming. You know, I thought we'd struggle in that game. I thought we'd struggle to break them down. 
I thought we'd struggle to keep them out, you know, because they were obviously fighting for Europe still as well at that time. But, you know, it's, it's one of them. It is a bit of a dead rubber for us, but it does make it interesting that Bournemouth have got every kind of motivation to try and get the win because, you know, we are going to be directly involved in what is pretty much the only sort of excitement on the final day, which is the relegation zone. You know, Watford's defeat yesterday, coupled with the victory for Aston Villa, makes it really interesting, especially because we just love the rubber snake brigade to go down. That would be fantastic. Um, but, um, you know, it's interesting that we're going to be involved in it. Personally, I don't care whether Bournemouth do or don't. I'm not part of this big Evertonian sort of Twitter group saying, oh, I hate them and all this. I don't really. I don't mind Eddie Howe. I think he's a decent manager. He's done a good job with what he's had. Um, but thank, thank God that one's not on this show. But he's not. I don't think Eddie Howe's ever claimed to be a top manager, though. No, he hasn't. He's, 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 he's done it. You know, what, you, what the problem is, what everyone forgets about Eddie Howe, Whereas, like I'm not, I'm not in any way saying he's a future level manager in any way. He's not at that level, but he's struck that team up from like minus seventeen points yeah. in like League One or League Two. He should have a statue outside that ground for what he's done for the club. No, but, oh, and, and I'm sure he will because he's he's probably one of the greatest figures in their history. And... I mean, Bournemouth it is Bournemouth. You got to remember and look where look where he's got them. The where he slipped up is not investing on in the right players. You know, if they if the money they've spent on the like, all right, Ake wasn't a bad buy because it looks like they're going to get pretty much double the money off City for him. But you know, you look at like the uh, Jordan Ives, the Solanke's players like that. You know, they, they've they've wasted a lot. I mean, like we've been guilty of wasting a lot of money. It's just we've had more of a foundation to sort of keep us afloat. You know, they've spent money badly like we have, but they've not had that two or three. They haven't got that Richarlison in their team to dig them out of a game, and that and that's that's the difference at the moment. The thing is with Bournemouth. You're expecting them to go out for leather against Everton and try and get the win because they do need the win to stay up. And it's, you know, it's it's all it's all sort of culminating in what should be an exciting day. But I can see Watford being the team that drop uh, through the trap door, to be honest with you. It's just, it'd be interesting to see how we approach the game with not much to play for. It looks as though Carlo tries to, uh, try to motivate them against Sheffield United, try to get them, you know, back to sort of some kind of performance after the dross we saw in the previous few games so you know I'm going into it no sympathy on Bournemouth hoping that we go and get a comfortable win just to, just so we can go into the summer with a bit more positivity really yeah that's going to be crucial to be honest it, it, the, the final game of the season is crucial to sort of determine a bit of the mood because I remember after we lost that 1-5-1 against Man City in 2004 that was one of the most depressing summers and of course Rooney left after that as well it was horrible yeah. we don't want to end on an embarrassing <laughs> note and for me to lose a home game against a side who could still go down even if they do win is a depressing end to the season if ever there was one. Well, an interesting stuff for you is one for you. <clears throat> if Liverpool, by some eventuality, uh, lose tonight against Chelsea, Everton have got the longest unbeaten run in the Premier League at home. In Europe, even. I think it's in Europe. Because that'd be 10 games unbeaten at home. I know. Only Liverpool have gone longer think, unbeaten at home. And to think the long, to think the last time we got beat at home was off Norwich exactly so there you go so there's a little interest after you so I'd like us to go there and uh, more than any you know what I wouldn't even mind if it ends like sort of 5-4 something stupid I just want a good entertaining game and I want to see some good attack and to be honest it's, 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 a, it's Everton v Bournemouth it always seems to be one of those oh, games you know, well you know what we know we can defend and we know we're going to improve the defence so I'd rather just see that we're going to be able to attack the next season I'd like Richarlison 
to get 15 league goals as well. That'd be nice if he could oh, get yeah. a couple. Calvert Lewin, both of them. Oh, he needs, a, he, needs a, he needs a goal big time. Yeah, I'd love him to get but, one. Uh, well, Richarlison's on 15 all comps, as is Calvert Lewin. But it would be nice for him to get a, one of them to get a couple to get 15 league goals. Yeah, it'd be great to see. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. Obviously, you say Bournemouth need the win and probably need yeah, a comprehensive win as well. So they, I think a win might do them. I think a win might do them because I think, isn't it, if Villa and Watford get beat, I think yeah, but Villa, I think have, it, Villa would have to lose heavily as well. All oh, right, okay. They've got fair better enough. goal difference, I think. I didn't realize it was that that big a gap. To be honest with you, I thought I think it Villa two on, goals. Villa like minus that. four, I think it is. Villa minus twenty-seven and Bournemouth minus thirty-one, I think. Twenty-seven, so four goal swing. Yeah, so they could do with beating us by two oh, and. Oh, they'll beat us three 0 don't worry. <laughs> Well, uh, Watford, Watford yeah. could get beat about five 0 against Arsenal, couldn't he? If Arsenal go for it. Yeah, but um, I think Bournemouth will go hell for leather with us because they Why need not? to. Why not? But yeah. that could play into our hands because we are Absolutely. quite. We have we have been quite solid defensively, despite how or even when we've been awful, with the exception of the Wolves game where we did capitulate. We haven't lost by more than one goal, even in the games we haven't played. In fact, we've only lost twice. And yeah. they were against sides that, dare I say it, are better you than us. You that, don't you? You know, in the midst of all this crisis, you know, uh, we have lost two games. I think <clears throat> Everton Twitter world's mad because you go from two, all right, disappointing defeats to Wolves and Tottenham away. But you go from that and it is literally like the end of the world. Every single player's got to go. We've got to sack <laughs> everyone and get rid of every single player. Beat Sheffield United 1-0 and play OK. And it's like, oh, no, I can see the positives there. We're looking good again. And it's, it's just exhausting. You know, that's it, that's Everton fan. It's exhausting though, isn't it? It's like, well, why do we always have to be red hot or ice cold? Why can't we just be, all right, we know the season's not going to go that far, so, if you, you know, we're doing okay and then we'll improve. Why does it have to be, oh, we're going to win the league or we're going to sack everyone? It's, it's madness. It is, that, that is Everton in the nutshell. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I do think we weathered the storm better than I thought. You know, that... With those four games, Tottenham, Southampton, Wolves and Villa, we were abysmal, let's be yeah, honest, yeah. in all oh God, four yeah. of those games. We still managed to avoid defeating two of them, and only one of them we lost heavily, considering what could have happened under a Marco Silva or a Martinez in a period like that. Could have got, thought, could thought, have got ugly. Yeah, could have got very ugly, and we went the storm relatively well, and I think that's the one thing. We do seem to be a lot more... Resilience at the back, and that's I think that's going to be crucial in a game like this where we're going to have a team who are going to be throwing everything at us. I think it's going to be the best game of the day. I think, I think it's got like for the neutral, I think it's going to be the most exciting game. It's got to be, we've just got to make sure that we come out on the right side of it. Yeah, because exactly. too many times we've been the uh sideshow in these kind of games where there's been thrillers and we've always seemed to be the losing team. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see that in a way, actually, I would like to see the, the back of Bournemouth because I hate going Bournemouth away, it's an awful thing. We haven't won there, we haven't won there apart from in the cup, exactly. I think that that in itself is a good reason to get rid of them. Uh, yeah, and uh, for that reason, we should be trying to hammer the final nail in absolutely coffin. I'm with you there on that one now. But, uh, I think it, that's what we've got to do. I think we, it might be best to set up a bit more defensively, dare I say. And I mean, that's weird to say against the struggling side, but given the way the they... We'll get chances we, in that game, won't we? we? We should be playing on the counter-attack in that game and be setting up to break like that. And 
if we do, if we do it right, which to be fair, I thought we did quite well against Sheffield United, where we set up that way. I thought if we carry on like that, I think we've got a good chance of every chance to get the three points. There. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Teddy, how about you, mate? How do you feel about this one? I'm feeling pretty relaxed. I mean, it's it's strange to be going into it. Obviously, it's one of the big games of the day, as, as you've said, but we're looking at, like, oh, we want to protect, like, little stats. Like, we'd like to get Charleston and Calvert-Lewin on to set them up to goals. I'd quite like to see, if not Nels Moyes-Keen start and possibly get a goal so we can uh, end the difficult season on a good note, maybe. Uh, whereas they're obviously looking at Premier League survival. But the biggest thing for me is, if this was... Marco Silvestre, yeah, it'd be the most nailed on defeat he'll ever know. Like, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll get back yeah. to it. Whereas Carlo's got, like, he's not lost a good yet. And I don't think he's ever lost even the bottom three. I want both of those things protected. And I don't want him to lose at home at Goodison. I don't want him to lose to a member of the bottom three. And frankly, of the bottom, well, the three sides in, in question, obviously not that you're gone. I think Bournemouth are the ones who are probably already feel like they're down because they've got, you know, with the goal difference, yeah. they've got a job, got such a big mountain to climb. It's not just they can't stay safe just by beating us. They've got to beat us by a certain amount of goals. They've got to wait for other other results to go their way. I I think, yeah, they will turn up. They will they will go for it. The right goal. But I I think they're finished. I think they know they're down. So if one goal goes in against Bournemouth, I think that that's it. They're, they're finished the game. I, so, I think that's a, a very good they, point. But I, I'm like yourself, if you'd ask me who's who want to go down, can I hold them? <coughs> I, mean, oh, I, mean, I, I don't mind Villa. I don't mind Villa. At least I think Villa's the one at most like wouldn't mind staying up and I think Villa will I be think the team who stay up. It's good to see Villa back but you know it's good to see Villa there I think. I'm I'm yeah, not bothered yeah, I'm not really bothered either think. way. But Villa yeah, but I mean I'd, I'd rather they I'd rather they stay. You've all got their downsides though. You, you I mean I don't know if you remember Villa when they were uh, when it was us and Villa were like the I mean they had crack on top six now it was a top four when it was a uh, when it was Everton and, and we finished above them every time, though, didn't we? Even though we both missed out, we always finished six. above them. Yeah, but honestly, make this Villa. I'm, I'd be happy to see Villa go as well because Villa would give them a year or two more in the Premier League to get established, and they'll be like they'll be like Newcastle, Leeds will do it if they stay up. All these clubs who think they're bigger than Everton because they've had five minutes where they haven't been relegated. Um, so they they would. I'd love to see them go down for that reason for this. Phony rivalry that they probably try and create with us the second they're safe. Watford, see, 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 reason A, they did make a phony rivalry, plastic snakes and all that bollocks. It doesn't bother me if it's a rivalry between two like big clubs, though. I've got no problem with us making Leeds, Newcastle, Aston Villa a rival. What's pathetic for me is when it's like Watford are trying to make themselves rivals. Like Watford are even, in my opinion, in the same league as Everton, whereas at least. Those sort of villain, you can't think it to be. It can be a bit of a rivalry, a bit of a feisty game because you know that there's good fans behind there. I mean, Wofford, I mean, I just waste space. I, Elton John aside, if you look at like the people always talk about the historical league tables and like Leeds and Villa and that would always be in that top 20. I think Wofford would probably be in League One equivalent in that probably sort of all time. They've never won a major trophy, have they? Yeah, but even league averages, I think they've oh, been yeah, third yeah. tier at times and stuff like that. It's, yeah. you know, I think Bournemouth, Bournemouth would be in the fourth tier. Yeah, I mean, Bournemouth, I'd, 
there's a couple of things at Bournemouth. Like they seem to have the the uh, the Indian sign over us, don't they? They always seem to get like you know results against us. Right? I mean, at their ground especially, mate. Not so much. That one this season, and... early this season, was awful. I was on the worst moment of the season for me. Could have gone second if we'd have won or something. It was like. How that works, but it, and, and let's be honest, like as a club themselves, above the you know the picture in their tunnel above the, the uh, walking onto the pictures, Margaret Thatcher, they all touch as they go up. So they're a proper little. I don't get that. Bandy, I don't so. get that one to be honest. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get why everyone says all that. But it's politics. That's not. That's that's football. I care about football. No, I mean, I, I, think, I think everyone just thinks that they are like proper cryasses the the team. They are little. The, the the little weasels the players I don't like some of their players I wish our players would be like that <laughs> instead yeah. of passive I mean when you think about the Premier League the league is pretty good and the media all love buy into it but the league's pretty good for providing like narratives and stories and what I think the narrative of the day Villa and West Ham will pass without incidents I think this game will pass without much incidents but I think Watford Arsenal after that uh, Cajones comment about him that Troy Deeney made about Arsenal a few years ago. How much would some of those Arsenal players love to send Watford down? I completely forgot about that and that'll be a very interesting little narrative you've just brought up there. Yeah. yeah. We had some excitement in the final day and, and I, 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 you know, I'd like to see Everton sign off with a win. Obviously, if we're being picky, I'd like to see us sign off with certain players get goals, you know, set us up nicely going into the pre-season next season it's going to come really quick but as the league in general I think that the story of the day will be arsenal Watford because I mean that's when you watch a match of the day that night I think that that'll be the one and it's just a shame there's no fans in the stadium because if you, I don't know if you remember previous days when it's gone to the last day and, and several clubs can go down oh, the, the limbs and the pitch invasions and the radios yeah. on like that and all yeah everyone's yeah. got a big wire massive wireless radio match yeah. of the day have done things as well where they've shown the three games at the same time and just flip between yeah, one they'll, the well, they'll probably still do that won't they'll they, still do that just be empty stadiums I don't think they'll do that without the excitement of the fans. There won't be as much spectacle. I think they'll just cover the game, the relegation battle one after the other, and then the yeah. final final one, it'll be the one who, who stayed up. Or vice yeah, versa. I, I just think it'll be like, they'll just shake the camera a little bit to pretend there's some kind of limbs. They have crowd noise, don't they? Like, you know, they have a fake crowd noise. Yeah, yeah honestly, it may, if it's this weekend, it's going to make me miss the crowd noise. The crowd, sorry, not the noise. The crowds more than anything. Because what, I, happen, what well, happens? Whoever stays up, do they start like throwing cardboard cutouts of people onto the onto the pitch? No, like, what, they do, what they do? What they do is they pay or... a million pound and build a stand. <laughs> That's what they do. They pay a million pound and build a stand to celebrate the relegation, or just uh, not for themselves because they can't wait till the fans are back, just to rub it in the faces of every other team. That's all. That that reason alone. <sighs> oh, finish seventeenth on that one, everyone. Yeah, yeah, we'll build a stand. That, 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 that's like the like the analogy I made before. Like sending a screen to Chelsea's ground for winning the Premier League title. It's like putting one outside Everton's ground and oh, we stayed up. Well, yeah, Everton stayed up every bloody season. Chelsea have won about five Premier Leagues. You know what I mean? Interesting. But um, one final little thing before we finish up. Uh, I can't recall the last time that Everton actually had a part to play on the final day in a relegation battle. Thankfully, we've not been involved in one for a while. But 
I think the last time we actually had a part to play in one was 1999, and Southampton beat us on the final day mm. to stay up. I think, and there was a pitch invasion at the Dell. Ooh, don't say, uh, don't, I can't say I remember that one. To be fair, I'm trying to. I, 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 only, remember, head, I only remember uh, that one. Try and get there now. The Trying to think, right, literally off the top of my head, what I can. I'm, I'm sure we've sent teams down. I'm sure we've sent teams down that I've been there for because I didn't. I wasn't going to match in '99. I didn't go till 2003. But um, I'm sure I've seen someone go down. West Brom went down, but when Dunk played his last game, but they'd already gone, I think. Oh, they'd already. All right, okay. Well, who else have we had? I can't even remember who we've had on some of the final days. Thinking about. But I mean, yeah. we probably played relegated teams, haven't we, on the final day at times? But we're going to send Bournemouth yeah. down. <laughs> this is def- this is definitely the first time since '99, I think, where we've had a team go into a game against us with like relegation on the line. I can't remember anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I only I only know the uh, I only know the Southampton one at the Dell in '99 because of the Premier League years on Sky, and they played like <laughs> Fatboy Slimmers. He showed that one so and, and obviously like this was like Kevin Campbell and his pomp and that we just beat West Ham 6-0 mm. the week before so you know makes sense yeah this is how much of a geek you become when you know you're on furlough and you sit at home and watch all the Premier League years back to that <laughs> but yeah there you go um, there's, it's interesting though because it's strange you know 21 years have passed since we've like like sent a team down been in a game a that mattered it's <laughs> a good point actually yeah that's painful since we've isn't been it? in a final day game that mattered to anyone the only one I can remember is when we stopped Newcastle getting in the Champions League when Jelovic scored <laughs> that's the only one I can remember when Pardew yeah. was there Pardew was there he, he said he got his eight game year we're miles ahead of Everton beat him 3-0 I think oh yeah speaking of which uh, this right now will be the very end of Alan Pardew's eight-year contract that he signed at Newcastle in 2012. And, is it, and, and it's probably bad to say that they probably wouldn't have done much worse or better if he'd have been there or not really. He's not really done anything, have they? Mm. They've been down since, though. They, to be fair, they've got relegated since. They did get relegated, but so I think they got relegated say... and not come back, I think, if you he think? was there. But is he... Oh, yeah, I suppose. I don't know yeah. he's any worse than Steve Bruce, like, but... But he's just done a good job there, I think. He's done a good job, but he's not a good manager. He's he's an average manager, isn't he? He's, he's a pragmatic manager like a Moyes or an Allardyce, isn't he? That's the bracket Moyes is in now for me, definitely. Mark Hughes, that kind of just boring dinosaurs of management. Grey Air, they've all got Grey Air. Yeah, Grey Air. Don't hire a manager with Grey Air unless <laughs> he's got a raised eyebrow and he's a talent. I was exactly, yeah, oh, apart from Carlo, because he looks fantastic, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah, but like <laughs> Italians with grey hair are just well better looking, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, to be fair, you're right there. But um yeah, I think the um looking at the end of the season now it's like this is the first time I can think of a game where there's been something riding on it that we've played in. But not for us, innit? Well it's never been it's it's never been for us apart from two thousand and three when we nah. like lost the UA for Cup. Oh Jesus, yeah. It's just it feels like we're just limping towards the end of the season. Like like Terry said there, the most positive thing that we can think of it is if like a Moise Keane or Anthony Gordon managed to get on the score sheet or Branthwaite putting another good performance. And that's 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 a real damnation of our season. But you know, we've just gotta limp until the end and hope I just hope it's a good game to finish the season on. Yeah. I just hope we know. win. 
believe it or not. That's actually what I, I, I hope we finish 11th because I wouldn't like Carlo to be the lowest finish for 15 Since, years. Yeah, that's... For 2003 was the only time since that we finished, we've never finished lower than eleventh, so I don't want Carlo to be uh, to be uh, guilty of that breaking that record. No, and I'm I'm quite confident he won't. To be honest, I think as you think we'll win, which brings us oh, on so, to oh. which brings us on to predictions, Ben. Prediction for the game. Oh, the way we play against Bournemouth, normally we'll go four three Everton. <laughs> Terry, why not? Two, two nil Everton. Uh, I'm gonna go. 3-1 Everton I think it's we're going to score three for the first time since lockdown God there's, there's a damn yeah. indignation if ever there was one but yeah I, I think we I think like we nailed it before I think Bournemouth need to win comprehensively and They're if we go gonna come if, at us and we're going to hit them and the thing is I think obviously there'll be scores elsewhere as well that they've got to keep an eye on Watford and Villa if they even get a point they're <clears> gone I think for Bournemouth, if they're not beating us comfortably, which I, I don't think they will, if they're not in front at like half time, I think their heads might drop. Yeah, absolutely. One of Villa or Watford might get a goal, particularly Villa, I think. I think Villa might beat West Ham away. I, I can see Villa I, going I, there and winning. I think, well, I think if they can beat Arsenal, I think they've got a chance against. You know, a West Ham side, especially if they are, I think, are they still beating Man United, by the way? It's one all. One all. <coughs> it's one all. Greenwood scored. God, he's a good player, that 20 Greenwood. 20 minutes left. Yeah, it's bad to think Greenwood scored 15 goals in the under-18s, under and Ellis Sims has got 38. Isn't that in the under Yeah, in the under-18s. Yeah, but I don't know what I'd rather have. Um, He's obviously not ready, is he, Ellison? Let's face it, but it was nice to see him on the bench the other day. I'd like to see him come on, but yeah, that was what, not being funny. We've got Moise Keane can't even get a look in, so I don't think he is. It's bad. It's, it's bad that we were all so moralised by the idea of a kid who we've never seen play for the first team getting named on the bench. That's just like got the got the Fellaini afro though, hasn't he? Yeah, well, you know, it's a key a, element. A, you know what I mean? Afro's always going path. down well with Everton players and other teams. Unless you're David Luiz. <laughs> Yo, let's just let's just sign anyone with an afro. We'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll leave we'll leave it at that anyway. Uh, everyone seems a bit more confident going into this game because we thankfully won a game last time. And you know, we look ahead to the final game of the season with optimism. Not only that we might win the game, but also it's the final game of the season and the season's finally over. Because you know, we're glad to see the back of it. I think we all will. Absolutely. Uh, But for podcast listeners, of course, we're going to finish with the classic quiz. We're back on the classic quiz. And for this one, it will be Terry battling it out against Ben. Basically, it's back to the old school quiz where I name an Everton <laughs> picture from the past and our two competitors reel off those players in the squad. If it's a starter or a used substitute, you get the right answer. Do we need to have a pen and paper? If you like, if, if you I want don't want to because I'm, I'm I'm sitting on the end of my bed, well, so I don't really. No, usually we just wing it. To be honest, no, that's fine. Sure. Winging this perfect. Yeah, that, that that's how we roll on the show. Sound. And of course, the first person to get an answer that isn't a starter or a used sub surrenders as W to the opposition. So we're going to decide who goes first. I've actually come prepared. Look at this, a coin. Uh, a, real, a, a real, real one, real one pence piece. Uh, 
So I'll let Ben pick this week. Heads or tails, Ben? Heads. And it's tails. Of course it is. So, Terry, it's your shout. Do you want to go first or second, mate? I'll go first, please. You will go first, will you? And there we go. Ready for the quiz. We're all sort of ready to uh, cue the intense quiz music. There it is. Uh, I'm going to reveal the fixture in question. And on the day where we've been discussing the Bournemouth game and notorious high-scoring Everton games at Goodison Park, fittingly, we're going to go back to Saturday, the 5th of February, 2011. Everton 5, Blackpool 3. Teddy, you're up first, mate. Who played in that game? Louis Saha. Wouldn't be that player who scored four in that game. He definitely didn't play. Of course, he played. Louis Sahar is the first name ticked off the list. Ben? Uh, Jermaine Beckford. Jermaine Beckford got the other goal. So, we've got all the goal scorers already. Done and dusted. Is this just Everton players you want, by the way, or Blackpool? Just, well? just the Everton is players. That... If there's 14 to choose from who right. played either from the start or off the bench right. if, if it's a draw at the end we make your name some Blackpool players but, but hopefully it won't come to that uh, so yeah we've got two down 12 to go Terry you're up again Sylvan Distan Sylvan Distan did indeed play Ben uh, Tim Howard yeah Tim Howard's one of the bankers really and yeah he played the full game of course Four out of four so far. Ten more to go. Teddy? Leighton Baines? Yep, Leighton Baines did play. Phil Jagielka? Phil Jagielka was the final substitute. So got away with that one. Close shave, but still a right answer. Six out of six. Teddy? John Heitinger? Johnny Heitinger was the other starting centre-half. Uh, Seamus Coleman Seamus Coleman did start indeed 8 out of 8 got 6 more to go Leon Osman Terry you've surrendered Ben is the winner Leon Osman was an unused substitute didn't happen very often back then he played no matter what much weeks yeah he did I'm surprised at that one myself to be honest but I'll tell you something that does happen, happen very often on this show is Terry loses the quiz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure uh, so, second, mate. <laughs> anyway. Good at quizzes as, as Leon Osmond was at football. Oh, do you know what? Leon Osmond can, walk into that Everton side now, mate. What consistent, consistently average. Uh, well, he walk into that Everton team now. At least he uh, that doesn't out. mean he's good. That doesn't mean he's good. Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. he's good. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, anyway, what we normally do, we usually finish off the team anyway. So we, you still had six to go. Ben, your go anyway. Phil Neville. Phil Neville, of course, the captain. Stephen Pienaar. Stephen Pienaar has already gone. He's, his little, he's had his, on his little uh, sabbatical at Spurs, yeah. Marouane Fellini. Has he not come back yet? He hadn't come back yet. He's only just left, I think. Yeah, he just left that January. This oh, was in yeah. the really dark abyss yeah. era. This was this was horrible. I, I was a season ticket holder this season. It was horrible. But uh, Fellaini was my next one. Fellaini didn't he play the full game? You've got 
How many more to go? Who've we missed? We've got one, two, three, four. Tim, Tim Cale? Yeah, Tim Cale was the third used substitute. He was the, you've already named all three of the subs. So it's just three starters remaining. Uh, Jack Rodwell? Jack Rodwell was one of the players who started and he was subbed off for Beckford. Tony Ibbett? Nope, Tony Ibbett was an unused sub. Um, Dinyar Biljetinov? Yes, Biljetinov started and was replaced by Tim Cale on the 70th minute mark. One more player. Not sure. Trying to think here. Um, Kevin Morales? No, I'm sorry. Well, no, he hadn't signed yet. So who have we got so far in the starting 11? We've got Howard. How, yeah, the, Phil the, Neville. Howard Neville, Distan Eitinger, Baines, Coleman, Bill Yolettinov, Fellini, Rodwell and Saha. And then Beckford, Kale and Jags uh, off the bench. Tete. It was Arteta. Okay. I'm surprised it took, it took us that long to get in. But uh, yeah, there you go. There's the full team. And the substitutes were, of course, the used ones. Kale, Beckford and Jack Yelka. And the unused subs were Jan Mucha, Tony Hibbert, Leon Osman and Victor Anachibi. Uh, out of interest, just one little bit of trivia. There was two former Everton players in the Blackpool team that day. Can you name any of them? Or, um, give me a sec. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I think, wait, uh, what Blackpool players? Former Everton? Yeah, two of them. Did they start the game? One started, one was a sub. Uh, what position? One of them was a centre mid, but I think he was only really from our academy. He only played about once or twice for us. It wasn't Lundstrom, was it? He didn't play. Nah. Um Hold on. It's a tough. It's a really. This, that, that's a really tough one. I might give you that one. It was Keith Southern. Oh Jesus! He's a, I don't think. I don't know if he's ever have got that. I know it now. You've said it, but I would never. Uh, but you, you'll probably remember the one who started the game, and I think he set up one of the goals in this game. And he was a notoriously underwhelming player for Everton. It wasn't James Beattie, was it? It was James Beattie. James Beattie? Yeah. yeah. He somehow outpaced one of our players and squared it for Jason Punch, if I remember level. rightly. It, well, it has to have been, surely. Charlie Allen yeah. scored in that game as well. They were 3-2 oh, yeah. up or something, I think. Yeah, they were 3-2 up and then we sent Beckford on. Put yeah. two up top. One of Moyes' rare 4 4 2 outings. And yeah. Yeah, we actually ended up winning the game. Hey, oh, who knew that 4 4 4 2 works? <laughs> uh, but yeah, there we go. Quiz is over. Ben Crawford is the winner of the quiz. Not like Teddy to lose a quiz. But um, yeah, as we usually do, we finish with a song and the winner of the quiz gets to pick that song. So, Ben, have you got a song that you'd like to you know, yeah. later finish us off at the end of this podcast. Okay, on the spot, I'll just pick my favourite song. Uh, Lost Weekend by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Interesting, Lloyd Cole and the Commotions, Lost Weekend. Yeah. So we'll leave you with that as we finish up at the end of this podcast. Thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues and we'll see you next time. In a single room and the sickest